Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Good morning again. Note that everyone without reservation is welcome right here with us in worship. Last Sunday was the first Sunday of Epiphany, and today is the second Sunday of the Epiphany liturgical season. And usually we talk about the wise men on the first Sunday of Epiphany, but since it's the Epiphany season, we can still talk about them today and how they refuse to collaborate with empire. On this Martin Luther King weekend, I think this theme is especially appropriate. So it's always my prayer that you experience the presence of Christ Jesus in our worship together this morning. So here we are, we're just coming off the holiday season, and there, yeah, there probably have been some interesting discussions around dinner tables over the past month or so. You know, people generally avoid mixing politics and religion, but not always. It used to be that these were the two taboo subjects often forbidden in polite conversation, politics and religion. NPR, as it usually does each year, ran segments on how to direct Thanksgiving table conversations away from these two subjects. Social media influencers also weighed in with creative strategies to move holiday table conversations onto safer ground. One woman, Babs, I enjoy on Facebook, even suggested we play a game by pinning a famous person's name on each guest's back and instead over dinner have people ask this person, yes or no questions and you know one another so that people can figure out the name of the celebrity a given person is wearing engaging in this game she reasons will redirect the conversations onto safer areas now some people during my 16 career uh, in the ministry have approached me after a sermon saying i shouldn't get political in church And I would always respectfully disagree for this reason. The gospel is intensely political. I'd be preaching in nothing but platitudes if I didn't, in some sense, reference politics. The birth, the life, the death of Christ were all about upending and challenging the old religious and political order. And that's why he was so threatening to the religious and political establishment. That's why Jesus ran afoul of Caesar and the Pharisees, who were essentially the embodiment of politics and religion in a nutshell. And we can even say that politics and religion are what got Jesus crucified. In fact, the very story we celebrate at Epiphany is nothing short of political. We cannot properly understand the gospel unless we get the backdrop of the first century politics. Well, let's take a a deeper look at that story today. You know, the story about the wise men coming to offer gifts to Jesus. 
We often think of the story in terms of nostalgia. Our nativity scenes would hardly be complete if the three wise men and their camels weren't in attendance. And we think of the pretty Christmas cards with their exotic wise men and camels out in the twilight of the desert following that star. What we don't focus on so much are the nitty-gritty political dimensions of this story. Well, this is a story that involves Herod, who was a pretty paranoid character. He quickly put down any perceived threat to his power. Another emperor, Augustus, once said of Herod that he would rather be one of Herod's pigs than one of his sons. Herod had put many to death because of his fear of losing power. Herod killed three of his sons, his wife and his mother-in-law. You didn't want to cross this empowered madman. And so when he heard of a possible new king being born, it is consistent with his personality to order all the male children under two years old to be killed. And what we learn in our Matthew reading today is that before they went to Bethlehem, the wise men had a meeting with Herod. Presbyterian minister Kate Jones Cologne retells the story in her Sojourners magazine article, which is entitled, When the Wise Men Refused to Collaborate with Empire. She retells it this way in her words, which I think are wonderful. Herod says to them, I have a problem. I need your help. I need to find this child. I suspect he's somewhere in Bethlehem, so I need you to ask around. Use your sources, follow the star, and then report back to me. Don't worry, I'll treat him well when I find him. Well, instead, after visiting Jesus, we're told the wise men went home by another road deciding to avoid Herod and his directive. They did not report back to Herod as asked. Hmm, well, the wise men disobeyed the king. They went against the government of the land. And you might be asking, well, aren't Christians supposed to obey the government? Aren't we subject to it? You might be thinking about that other verse we, uh, that we read this morning, uh, the so-called clobber passage in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. You heard it, you know. You know, that passage has been used to crush dissent, stifle protest, discourage civil disobedience, and maintain the status quo ever since. Well, here's the thing. Not only do we need to look to the life of Christ as our most prime example, rather than one verse out of the greater biblical context, but I will, would also suggest that we do not deeply understand the beginning of Romans 13. Paul, in this Romans passage, used the Greek word that we translate as submit. Now, submit literally means to arrange stuff respectfully in an orderly matter underneath. Now, Paul could have, but did not use the Greek word that means obey. 
In the Greek language, that makes quite a bit of difference. Obey literally means to conform, to follow a command, or to kowtow to an authority as a subordinate. What we need to understand is that God ordains government to arrange our lives in an orderly manner. And that's why we should submit to it. But there are times when justice issues arise, especially for the poor and the marginalized, and we are called to dissent, like Martin Luther King did, whose life we celebrate this weekend. Similarly, the wise men dissented by going home on another road and not obediently reporting back to Herod. They knew that to submit did not always mean to obey. These men did not collaborate with empire. And I think the take-home message for us is that we must not obey either when justice issues are involved. God's people have always known that. And I think of caring folks who hid the Jews during the Holocaust. And we must always be mindful of God's preferential care of the widow, the immigrant, the orphan, the imprisoned, the poor, the oppressed, the downtrodden, and the refugee. Because the next thing that happens in the life of young Jesus is that he and his family become refugees in Egypt. The Holy Family has to flee because of the violence that comes upon their own country. And in one of the most terrible accounts of Scripture, Herod took out his anger on the infant children of Bethlehem. And we sing about that in the lovely but haunting Coventry Carol. You know, Herod the king in his raging charge it he hath that day, his men of might in his own sight, all children young to slay. Our Matthew scripture today tells us that the wise men had a strong sense of what would be coming. Verse 12, the last verse of the Matthew passage this morning says, and having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. They heeded the communication they got from God. And we know in the biblical canon, God often communicates with humans in dreams. And those wise men paid attention and did not write the message off as merely a dream. These three wise men from Asia deliberately disobeyed the orders of King Herod, a criminal offense punishable by death. So what they did was not without risk. And as such, this was the first recorded act of civil disobedience in the New Testament. And we know the disciples and the apostles were often imprisoned for their acts of civil disobedience. Well, this Presbyterian minister, Kate Jones Cologne, goes on to say in her Sojourners article that throughout human history, individuals and institutions have had to make risky and difficult decisions in response to unjust directives, especially those directives framed as required cooperation for the good of the country. Resistance can take many forms. 
dissent, protest, civil disobedience. Sometimes, though, what should be done is simply declining to participate. We see that the wise men did not participate. They did not collaborate in facilitating Herod's raid on the Holy Family. God chose to move this salvation story forward through these holy non-collaborators. And somehow the wise men realized, whether by recognizing Herod's duplicitousness or taking seriously the warning that came from them in a dream, that it would be unjust and unwise to serve as Herod's enforcers. And of course, all of this is political, and all of this is the backdrop to the gospel story, the story of Jesus. His story is political through and through. All of the characters, all of the events, issues, and tensions, and the same types of characters, events, issues, follow us and repeat throughout history, and we have to grapple with them. There's nothing new under the sun, Ecclesiastes tells us. I think Pastor Wing preached on that last week. These themes play out again and again in history, right up through and including today. Leaders are desperate to cling to power. Immigrants and outsiders are often suspect. All we have to do is examine our own country's attitudes and policies toward refugees and immigrants. Political strongmen and women control us by whipping up fear in us. They tell us if we make room for them, there won't be enough room for us. Would-be leaders find there is much to gain by stirring up such fears. No wonder so many who were once considered the hard right fringe are winning elections worldwide. Italy, Argentina, just to name a few places. And so many times, we, we look back through history, ethnic cleansing of all types, the Holocaust, the Trail of Tears, on and on it goes. And God's people have often remained silent, hiding behind a poor understanding of Romans 13, verse 1. The Christian is called to follow God's laws first, even when they clash with empire. Now, mind you, our governments don't always put us in bad positions or oppress, but when they do, we must choose God and all that God ordains above blind obedience. Just because something is lawful, remember, does not make it moral. Slavery was once lawful. The Holocaust back then was legal. Segregation and apartheid were legally sanctioned. And many of today's laws are created to protect corporations and institutions rather than people. One contemporary example involves water. I'm sure you can think of companies that have acquired private water resources or reserves, often to the detriment of ecosystems and local communities. I'm sure you can think of many examples where corporations are privileged over the poor, where the law dictates the ethics. But the biblical narrative, starting with the wise men, shows us that the law must not dictate our ethics. For us, for Christians, God must dictate our ethics. 
We, like the wise men, can refuse to collaborate with empire. We, too, can leave by another road. Ways to do that include boycotts and non-participation, activism, and using our votes. I've often seen our denominations, clergy and lay members, participate in peaceful protests, highlighting injustices. I've seen Christians from all denominations yell a holy no in the face of evil. And so this is our epiphany for today. We, like the wise men, are to be non-collaborators with evil. Now, epiphany, you know, means a sudden manifestation or perception of the essential nature or meaning of something. And what's revealed to us today is that God's law must first and foremost dictate our ethics. And sometimes that will require our civil disobedience. That's epiphany with a small e. Epiphany with a capital E was Saturday, January 6th, though we're celebrating it today and, and for the coming weeks because until we're in it, in the season of Epiphany until Lent. The Epiphany season is all about the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles as first represented by the coming of the wise men. History, you see, has always been about politics and religion. The gospel is intensely political. Let us learn from the wise men and their civil disobedience. My prayer for all of us today is that our Christian religion, gleaned from the gospel of Jesus Christ, must always inform our politics. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.